0: Good morning. I'm Kim Smith, and I'll be reading our verse today. We're going to start in Ruth 2, um, verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Oops. Rebecca, you're too tall for me. I Here we go. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. But Boaz answered all that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your
1: servants. Well, good morning. Um, We're picking up in Ruth. Uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. If I didn't get to meet you on the way in, please stop me and... um, on the way out, I think last week I kind of just disappeared. Uh, <laughs> went to work real quick, but um, uh, man, it's good seeing everybody. It's good. It's good coming back, you know. And like, I don't know. I I I really look forward to coming here on Sundays and just hanging out. I I wish uh, I wish life didn't move so quick and that we could just hang out. Uh, for I guess that's what heaven's about, right? Um, not. I mean. You guys will be cool, but I'll be with Jesus, so, you know, we, we will be with Jesus. Just for clarity there, I didn't, I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We just thank you for giving us um, the opportunity to gather together and worship you, and I I thank you for uh, the relationships that we have in this church, and and, um, we ask, though, Father, that as we look to your word, um, that you would just help us discern, um, help us to see in, um, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, just how you use relationships and how, um, just help us to elevate them in our lives, um, to not be, not treat them superficially, but, but to really recognize what they are, that they are opportunities for the gospel to, to move in and amongst us. And so we, we thank you, Father, for the privilege to be here and we pray, Father, that as we as we read your word, that you would help us not to be distracted, but to be uh, receptive, allow our eyes to be opened, and our ears to hear, and our hearts to be softened. Thank you, Father, for your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So if you don't have a Bible, please grab one. I'm going to have verses this time, um, but there's Bibles scattered around. You guys can always grab them on your way in. Um Obviously, if you've got a Bible on your phone, you can do that too. We're gonna be in Ruth chapter two. Um, <clears throat> I texted Kim this morning. I'm like, hey, can you read Ruth chapter two, one through sixteen? And then Melissa goes, that's a lot. <laughs> you're, you're gonna make her read that whole thing. And so, so, um, so we're gonna start in, cha- in verse one. We're gonna go through verse sixteen. Um, but what Kim just read was was Boaz's response to Ruth. It was it was Boaz. Um, Really just choosing to invest in this relationship, choosing to, to reach out and go, I'm going to do something for Ruth. He wasn't forced to. He didn't have to. Legally, he didn't have to. There was no there was no compulsion on his part. Um, and we're going to spend some time dissecting this because it's this, I mean, oftentimes as we go through scripture, it's like, what are we going to talk about here, right? Like, it, it's, it's really like, well, what's the point? Like, what is God doing here? And so I want to kind of back up a little bit, like I normally do, and 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 slide through this, right? So hopefully this week you read Ruth chapter 1, verse 14 through 22, I think is what we did in the small groups. So if you go to our website, right, and you go to like the resources, if you're not in a small group and you don't have somebody that's telling you, you know, what we're doing each week, um, you can go there and it says small group study guide or something like that. Click on that and then... We're just putting all the questions up there. So if you need something to go to, like that's going to be the in-betweens, right? So, um you know. is that me? Okay. I think that's a yes. All right. I will, uh, you know, I was going to test the backup mic this morning, and I was like, nah. Um, all right. I'll try not to move too much. Um, so... Um, so yeah, so Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 through 22, and then we're picking up uh, this morning two 1 through 16, and then, and then this next week you'll have verse 17 to w- whatever, I'm not sure what it is, probably the end of chapter 2. Um, so, so last week we talked a lot about tragedy. Um, we saw Ruth and Naomi navigating the death of Naomi's husband, um, her sons, Ruth's husband, right? Like this just tragedy. Right and and they were already in a foreign place, um, right? It was just there was a famine in Israel. Like it was just it was just all sorts of just just bad time, right? Like there was just nothing really good about it. And so what we talked about is we we, we scoured scripture and we we navigated the theology behind tragedy, right? Like like what's God doing? How do we how do we remind ourselves of the truths of God and like what God is doing and his sovereignty and, and how he's working in the midst of that thing. And, and now as we get into chapter two, we start to see God unfold this. And it's really cool. And we start to see him unfold piece by piece the purpose of the tragedy, like, which is cool, right? Because none of us really necessarily, I mean, you might have some testimonies of like where God has worked in your life and in your small groups, you'll have the time to talk about that this week. But like, sometimes we're in the midst of it. Sometimes we're through it, and we're like, I have no idea why that just happened, right? And it's not going to be for 5, 10, 20 years, maybe maybe not until you're in the presence of God that you're going to know what the tragedy was for or what the purpose of it was. Um, but we can trust that there is. And so we get this cool glimpse into Naomi and Ruth and Boaz's life and to watch God uh, work in that. And so um, so let me, just, let me just throw this out here. So... Um, this story could have been told. So this week you read, right, that, that, that Ruth, so I'll just, so Naomi's going back to Israel, right? And Ruth and Orpah start to go with her, and she tells them, no, go back, go back to Moab. Ruth says, no, I'm going with you, and she, she goes with her. And then they, they're in Bethlehem, and Orpah's off the grid. We, we have no idea what happens with her, right? And it's Naomi and Ruth, and, they, and then the rest of the story moves forward to that. The interaction between Naomi and Ruth, you could tell this story without that, couldn't you? Like, it, it took me a while to, like this week, right? Like, like the whole like back and forth, Naomi saying, hey, stay with your, stay with your family in Moab, Ruth saying, no, your people are going to be my people, you're going to be my God, I'm going to die where you die. Like, none of that had to happen. It could have just been like Naomi you know, uh, went to Moab and then, and then she went back and Ruth went with her. And then this is how God solved their tragedy, right? Like all the same pieces could have still been in place. So we got to look at this and go, why? Why is it that that God preserves these conversations between Naomi and Ruth? Why is it that, that we get to watch Ruth, who's not a believer, not, doesn't, doesn't really trust in Yahweh, and, and, and she's saying, like, I'm just going to go with you. Why does Why does she do that? Why does god include that for us and this is where i i I gotta land on he cares. like there's something about the relationships in the book of ruth that god wants us to understand there's something about that relationship that what caused ruth to do that and hopefully in your small group you talked about that a little bit this week right like like what caused ruth to be so aligned with naomi that she would sacrifice her, her potential future a, a potential a new husband right like like she sacrificed all of that for this And so that's kind of where we're gonna break this thing down So the first one is like Naomi to Ruth and this one's a lot of conjecture, right? So the relationship from from Naomi to Ruth. What did that look like? We have no idea But here's what we know we see Ruth's response, <laughs> right? We know that Naomi goes into Moab and and Spends 10 years there and in the midst of that, there's tragedy, right? And there's death between her husband and, and her sons, and which is Ruth's husband. And so something's going on. There is a relationship. Naomi has to navigate these tragedies, right? Like she's navigating these just, I mean, forget Ruth for a second. She's just, she's walking her own life. Um, her husband dies. And we don't know if the husbands and sons died together or if they're separate or, or we have no idea, but... But her husband dies. She could have gone back to Israel then, you know? Um, maybe, maybe when her sons died. You know, like, it's not, it's not as if the mother in law, daughter in law relationship is one that we profoundly look at as like an exemplar of relationships, right? In fact, it's, it's often critiqued and, and ridiculed, sadly. But this is the relationship God chooses, right? To, to show us. And so something in that relationship Naomi to Ruth made Naomi worthy of allegiance it it was it was enough that Ruth was like I'm going with you you being in your presence is better than me trying to figure out life in Moab that says something about Naomi doesn't it I mean we don't know we don't know any details this is all deduction right this is all conjecture reading between the lines in Scripture but it seems as though Naomi had some sort of relationship with Ruth that that was meaningful It certainly wasn't superficial It certainly wasn't a well. Let's part ways We had a good ten years together Good luck It could have been but it wasn't And so in, in the first example we look at this and we go okay, so so something's naomi's making decisions about this relationship with ruth as, as she's just navigating the doldrums of life you know whatever that looked like for them in moab she has a relationship with ruth that's meaningful that's sustaining that's steadfast and then we look at the relationship between ruth to naomi and this is where we see this is kind of where we infer the first part of that right and if you look uh you hopefully read this this week ruth chapter 1 verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. She goes on in verse 17. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Like this is a profound commitment from Ruth to Naomi. She's, she's going, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to leave all this. I'm sticking with you and and maybe we even can even infer a little bit with Naomi telling Ruth and Orpah go, just go. Would would Naomi have preferred the company? To to experience widowhood together with Test test. There we go. Uh, what do I do with my hands? <sighs> um. So Naomi, tell you know she she. I mean, certainly she would have preferred to have um, to have Ruth and Orpa, kind of mourn with her and go through life with her and. Glean will will see her like them begging and kind of walking through life and just kind of Certainly, it would have been nice to have somebody to to commiserate with And so maybe that testifies a little bit to Naomi's selflessness as well going like you guys go go You guys start over and we saw that last week, right? She's like the Lord has dealt bitterly with me, right? Like like she's but she doesn't right like like she she goes you guys you guys go and you guys have your life. I care more about you than I care for myself. Um, and so then we see Ruth respond in this in this extremely profound way. Now I, I will say like there's two schools of thought on this. Um, one, some people think that uh, some scholars think that that this is conversion. Like Ruth is like, I'm sold on Yahweh. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know that I buy that <laughs> I think you know she's first she's lived there for ten years with them and so like this would not be the time that she would be converting probably right like she she had plenty of opportunities to, to do that or whatever right uh, to leave her people and join uh, Israel um, so I don't think like chronologically it makes a lot of sense but I think it's just like kind of hyperbole I think she's just saying I'm with you I mean she says where you die I'm gonna die well she doesn't know that <laughs> Right, but she's she's saying I'm committed to you, Naomi. I'm gonna stick with you through whatever whatever travails of life come. I'm gonna be with you, and and so this is how Ruth then responds. Now, uh, you know, hopefully you've seen this up to this point. Ru- what Ruth does not say, and this is like this is a huge turning point in the book, right? If Ruth doesn't go back with Naomi, guess where the book of Ruth is. Not in our Bibles, right? It's nothing, it's not a story, it's, there's nothing, right? And so this is the turning point. Wouldn't it be amazing if Ruth said, I am going to trust Yahweh with my life and Yahweh is leading me to go with you. And so therefore in faith, I will trust in you over Moab. I mean, then we'd be like, yeah, that seems like a biblical book, right? That, that seemed like we got, a, we got a good anchor of faith in there to, to grab onto. I I just don't see that, I think Ruth is just kind of making decisions. I think she's going like, well, I've got a good relationship with Naomi, I love Naomi, I trust her, she's my mother-in-law, she's worthy of my allegiance and my faith, and so I'm going to stick with her, I think that's it, and so I think she's making an alignment of like, I'm leaving my people, and I'm going to go with you, that's it, like, like, I I understand what I'm doing here. So when we just look at these first two relationships, Naomi to Ruth, Ruth to Naomi, um, we, we don't, there's nothing, there's nothing remarkable about it. I mean, yes, they're faithful to each other, but God's not really present in it per se. And it just kind of seems like what, what's happening here. And what we're going to start to see is we're going to see Boaz get introduced into this. And we're going to see this contrast between Ruth and Naomi, who, who have this relationship, but then Boaz, who has this relationship that's very intentional. And each one of them are reflecting some, some characteristic of God in this, whether they know it or not. Right? Naomi is reflecting God's character and her love towards uh, Ruth and Orpah. And she doesn't know that that's what she's doing, but that is what she's doing. And so God is, is being reflected in that relationship. And then Ruth's going, I'm going to stick with you. And, and God's reflecting like this, this sacrificial nature and this desire to, to seek the good of, of others. And, and so he's doing that. He's reflecting that in Ruth's relationship. And so when we look at this, and, we, and we're going to get into more details as we walk through this, but we see this profound movement where, where God is using the relationships in in their lives and in our lives to reveal himself to the world. I want you to just think about that as we start to walk through. How, How do we expect God to reveal himself? How did you come to know God? Did God just appear to you? Probably not. If he did, I'd love to hear the story. But probably not, it's probably through a relationship. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a distant relative, right? right? Like it, it could be a coworker, it could be anybody. But like, it's in the relationships that, that like God moves. Do we, do we handle our relationships with that amount of depth and, and significance? Or do we just kind of treat them as like, yeah, this is just kind of a byproduct of the life. You guys are all in my life story and and you're just actors and players, right? And me and yours? And we kind of just move along. There's a weight to this. There's a real weight to this. So we're gonna um, we're gonna pick up now in uh, chapter two of Ruth. Um, before we get started, let me let me give you a little bit of context. So there's a little stage setting going on here. So at the end of chapter one, It said that they were arriving in Bethlehem at the time of the harvest, uh, the time of the barley harvest. That's significant. So I'll just tell you real quick. So they're arriving at the barley harvest, which means the barley had been planted, which means the barley had grown, which means the barley was mature. When did Naomi return back to Israel? When it said like when God had provided them with food, right, it wasn't like rain started and, and Naomi was itching to get back to Israel. Like, she had waited a whole planting season and then went back. I don't know. We can't, we can't really infer too much from that, but what we do know is that her timing in returning to Bethlehem was providential. It was perfect timing. Now, whether she knew that or not, we don't, we don't really know, but here's why it's providential. Because when they're harvesting barley, God has this incredible provision. Um, it's really cool. If you, if you would, go back to Leviticus chapter 19. And this is, just, this is just one of those, you know, as we went through the Torah back, you know, last year. Um, you know, it's just one of those laws that you're like, you're kind of reading through it. You're like, okay, that's the law. But listen, listen to what this is in the context that we're going to end up reading this. This is um, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. The gleanings are like kind of the trash and the broken off pieces that are left over. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. This is God's provision right here. This is God's provision for people who were poor and were foreigners. This is what it was. And so think about this. I mean, like you could just, (laughs) this law just speaks to God wanting our hearts and our relationships. Because if you read this and you were harvesting your field, what's the first question you would have asked? What do you think? Why, yeah, why else? Or what else yeah how exactly what is the edge how, yeah i mean like are we talking a single stalk i mean when all the if like i accidentally drop a handful of grapes i mean i could pick those up just not the, don't drop that bucket of grapes right don't we wouldn't we start to die say oh by the way this is where a lot of the um the uh, Talmudic and like the pharisaical laws that all those laws that start getting built in This is kind of why they get built in because God's like here's the law Here's what I want, here's here's the intent And then we're like well how, I gotta make sure that we leave the, the the two inches You know or the 20 feet or whatever it is that's considered the edge right But But this is God's provision And so what you had is people not... Farming their land and taking every single last scrap of it, but instead intentionally leaving there and going, I'm sure somebody will come by at some point. It's a very interesting thought, isn't it? If we try to apply that in our own lives, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but but I think like it's a very open-handed way of harvesting. Like God, God gave me all of this. I don't, I don't need a hundred percent of it. It's okay let me just let me let me gather what i can and go off and so so this is when naomi and ruth show up when they're doing this and so it's like free food basically right now you got to go out and you're going to be gleaning and you're going to be picking up the scraps but but it's it's good it's a provision and it's an awesome opportunity for them and so they show up at just the right time for this all right now go to ruth chapter 2 verse 1 more stage setting. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Okay, you know how when you're watching a movie, or a sitcom, or a drama, or whatever, and it's like, it it jumps to this other, there's like two stories that are happening at the same time, right? And it like, it goes from one, and it jumps to another, and then it's not until 20 minutes later that like, the stories connect. That's, that's basically what's happening here. So in 2-1, um, the, the narrator's just going like, hey, heads up. It, think of it as like just like jumping over and there's Boaz working or doing something and you're like, you're like, this guy's a worthy man. He's going to be important later to the story. And then it cuts, right? Like they, they don't know this, okay? And it's important to understand this. Um, it, as far as we can tell, Naomi does not, Naomi knows of Boaz, knows that he's a relative of hers. Ruth has no idea who this guy is. Um, Boaz doesn't necessarily know of them um he he knows that Naomi is a relative but he doesn't know exactly what's uh going on right at this moment and so it's just kind of this quick little snapshot but notice what it says it says he's a worthy man there's a lot packed into that he's a good man he's respected he's he's um he's got a reputation um he's trustworthy um, these are there's there's a ton of adjectives to describe this but all of them good and we're going to see this and we're going to see the description of it we're going to see a little glimpse of his worthiness and so we have this um this guy that kind of gets set up and then it and then the story cuts back to ruth and naomi here in verse two and it says in ruth the moabite by the way this book is going to constantly call her ruth the moabite as if you didn't know that she was from Moab in chapter one. There's a reason for that. It's reminding you that she is not of Israel. She's not part of the, the, the children of God formally, okay? That's why, this is why her name is that. So, um, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. We'll finish verse three here in a second. So so I want you to notice this relationship again, right? Like everybody, the whole town would have been buzzing with this harvest. Like it's not, it wasn't just like something that was happening. Like everybody would have been participating in this harvest, right? And she would have seen everybody going. And so Ruth, who's a foreigner, is like, can I, can I go? Naomi like like this seems to be a good opportunity it seems as though we showed up in town at the right time can I go glean can I go gather food and bring it back for us right because they had nothing else and so you know it wasn't it wasn't just like this was a standard thing for Ruth to do it was like hey I need to go and what does Ruth do she's going to serve Naomi she doesn't say hey Naomi let's let's rock and roll let's both go glean Naomi is respected, right? She's, she's 50 years old, right? Ruth's much younger and she's like, like this is my job. Ruth, Ruth understood that her responsibility was to care for Naomi in some way. Like when she committed to Naomi, she committed to caring for her. And so, so Ruth's like, hey, can I go and do this? And notice if you have your Bibles open, underline the word after the reapers. So she goes, so the reapers are the people that are employed by the landowner Okay? The reapers are the ones that, like, uh, I mean, not, not really at this time, but, like, they're the ones running the heavy machinery, right? Um, if you can, picture this, and I, I was going to look for a picture of this, but I, I failed to do it. If you've ever seen somebody, like, uh, harvesting grain or something like that, there's all these, like, birds flying around after it. Have you guys seen that before? Like, anybody from the Midwest? Right? Like, you know, and you see, like, all these birds kind of kind of jumping around behind the machinery, like that's kind of what that was looked like. So the machinery's the reapers, like they're doing like the li- the big lift, right? And then you've got all the birds, like the, the sojourners and the poor, just kind of picking up what's what's after that. Okay. So this is what she's going to do. Like this is what all everybody was doing, right? Um, all right. And then we see their stories unite at the end of verse three, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And so now we see this, this, this this is the first hint that God's like, oh, God's doing something. Oh, the story's connected, right, like, like, here she is just picking up scraps, and she just ends up in Boaz's field, which we know from verse one, that Boaz is related to Naomi, right? Like, this is, there's nothing intentional going on here, it just happens this way. The, the actual word in, in Hebrew is, chance upon chance right it's kind of tongue-in-cheek right the the narrator's not saying like she was lucky that day what he's saying is like he's causing us the readers to go you guys see what's going on here you what are the chances that this happened what are the chances that ruth just stumbles in to the field of somebody who's related to naomi All right, verse four, and behold, underline that, (laughs) Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you, and they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Okay, like, this is cool, okay? I I know you're like, that sounds pretty ordinary, but it's cool, hang on, okay, so, 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 First, he's like, behold, Boaz, right? So it's kind of like, <laughs> here's the main character, right? Like, like, ta-da, you know, Boaz appears on the screen, like, he comes out of stage left, right? But notice the timing. Boaz came from the city to the field at the same time that what? Ruth had happened into his field like if ruth had not been in his field at that time if boaz had not come from the city at that time the, the book ends right you guys with me on this and so there's this providential like god's like moving these pieces and we just get to watch god unfold these things and so i'll, I'll just stop here for a second and go it's the same for us there's nothing unique here there's no you know we just saying it. it's the same god He's moving things providentially. He's putting you in places. He's, you just happen to run into this person. You just happen to work in the same place as this person. You just happen to have this conversation or this, right? Like these things aren't chance. God's providentially moving and giving you and me opportunities do what? To reflect his character, in whatever relationship that is, whatever opportunity that is, okay? And look at Boaz's character, like this is, this is really cool. So he shows up to the reapers, Boaz is a landowner, he's a worthy man, he's respected in the community, right, he's a landowner, and he shows up and he says, the Lord be with you, and they answered him, the Lord bless you, like this, these are, this is very relational, like, this wasn't like your boss rolls in and he's like, where's the TPS report, right? Like, this is, half the crowd gets that one. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's like for real, like, like, they've got this relationship with the Reapers. And they, they look at him and, and they're like, we like this guy. And then look at what else Boaz does. Of all the, of all the, the, the poor and the sojourners uh, gleaning after the Reapers, He goes who's that think about that right like 20 30 people back there like humped over just picking stuff off the ground how does Boaz like it makes sense that he knows who he's employing it makes sense that he knows who the reapers are but how does he know who the gleaners are the gleaners are like Are nobody in society like they're they're the people that are like like god just gave them a provision so that nobody else had to intentionally take care of them right like they were just being taken care of by the fields and so but he recognizes her boaz recognized sees ruth and sees her as distinct like this is huge you guys this is i mean and, and again, like we'll, we'll continue to see this throughout this book, but Boaz is really representing God in, in, in this story, in this redeeming story of this whole tragedy and everything that's going on. And, and we, we look at just that one verse that just seems so innocuous, so, so like you could just brush right over it, but it's like he noticed her. He saw her, and he sees you, he sees me, he sees us, he, sees he knows us. He knows the plight, he knows what's going on, he knows your circumstance, he knows your tragedy, he knows what's happening. Verse six, and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And so we have this like as soon as the, this guy says this to him boaz is like i know exactly who that is and we'll, we'll see this in verse 11 but like boaz knows the story as soon as he knows as soon as they hear as soon as he hears that this is ruth the moabite that came back with naomi he goes i know everything about this story i know her circumstance i know what's going on and like i said we don't we don't know that right now in the story but when i get to verse 11 he'll, he'll explain to ruth what he knows, and he knows everything that they've gone through. He knows it already. Now, how, how does Boaz know it? We have no idea. Rumor mill? not sure. But the second this happens, he knows Ruth. Ruth does not know him. Nobody right like she doesn't have any like she knows she has no idea who this is um, other than him being the landowner. And so now we start to see these stories intersect and we see Boaz now engage Okay. I got I got to give you some cultural background here because th- this is this is re- a remarkable statement by Boaz. And it's easy for us just to kind of like pass over it, but first he calls her his daughter. She's a Moabite. She's she's not one of the the daughters of Abraham, right? Like she's she's a foreigner. She's a poor, widowed sojourner. Boaz has nothing to do other than keep the edges of his field open and allow her to glean that's it that's all the responsibilities that that Boaz has to do legally but instead he he knows the story and that's what's going to motivate him and we're going to see this in a second he knows Ruth's story and he chooses willingly to go I'm stepping into that story I have the potential I have the means I I have the character to step in and help. And so he calls her his daughter. And he says you can be one of my gleaners, like just just follow follow these girls, like keep keep gleaning with them. Go where they go. Now, mind you, gleaning wasn't the safest thing, right? And clearly based on some of the things he's like I have commanded my men not to touch you, right? Like which which implies that had he not things would have potentially gone bad, right? And so, so he's, he's protecting her. He's providing her. He's like, just follow them. Keep your eyes on the fields that they're on. Stay after them. Follow them. We're going to go around, and you're going to be provided for. But, but there is a line here at the end. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. This is completely upside down. The slaves, the, the poor, would have, would have drawn water for the young men. Like, like that, that she is welcomed to drink from their water is, is unique. I mean, like, that, that is just, that's just Boaz going above and beyond. That's Boaz as a worthy man going, I am going to bless her. I'm going to care for her. I'm choosing to enter into this relationship. And when he does this... Remember, we're keeping an eye on this. What's the point? What's God doing? God's introducing himself to Ruth. God introduced himself to Ruth a little bit through Naomi. God's introducing himself to Ruth even more through Boaz. This is who I am. And we're going to see that in a second. Like, Ruth understands. There's, there's There's a difference. Boaz sees that there's a difference between what he's providing her, temporally, materially, and what God provides for her. And we'll, we'll see that as we get through there. All right, verse 10, Ruth responds, says then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? This probably speaks to Ruth's character, right? She's not entitled. She doesn't feel like this is what she's due. She doesn't say, I'm taking care of somebody else, and so therefore I get, you know, first dibs or anything like that. She's just, she she doesn't know. She doesn't understand why God is doing what he's doing. She doesn't understand why, and I wouldn't even say that. She doesn't understand why what's happening to her is happening to her. She's not really connecting this to God right now. She's like, I don't, I don't understand why you have chosen to call me a daughter and give me water. I'm a foreigner, you know, you know I'm a foreigner? I don't understand and listen to Boaz's response. Verse 11, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother So Boaz says, here's why I'm doing this, and why is he doing it? Because of Ruth's character. Because what, what Ruth did for Naomi. Because of the relationship that Ruth had with Naomi, Boaz now responds to Ruth in a different relationship, right? So you see this chain, this chain reaction here, and I think this is intentional, I think this is what God's showing us. Like, Naomi acted in one way, so then Ruth responded. Ruth acted in one way, so then Boaz responded. And what's happening God is being revealed in each of these relationships and God's going do you understand the significance of this like I could have I could have provided for Naomi and Ruth in any way but instead what he does is he chooses to use this beautiful story that we can relate to That the relationships that you have and then the relationships that 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 builds and then that builds right like like somebody in your life hopefully has has seen the relationship that you have with them and then they've maybe tried to emulate that right or or you know what i mean like it it propagates and i'm not talking like some cheesy like pay it forward type of thing but but like a very genuine like like this person reflects the character of god in in this way and i i i too want to that's why we're here as a community that's why god gives us the church and we're going to see that as we walk through this is This is what, why we have relationships, and I say this all the time, if God just wanted believers, you you know, and and was just gonna do all of the heavy lifting, and you didn't have any responsibility, then the second you believed, you'd be sucked up to heaven, but you don't, you aren't, why not, because you got work to do, and I got work to do, and it's not just intellectual work, It's, it's like, it's relating to others, it's being ambassadors of Christ. Notice Boaz, Boaz is the first one to bring God into the equation, <laughs> right? Boaz goes, you've done, you, your faithfulness to Naomi was wonderful. we like, I was just kind of making decisions that I felt like I should do, right? Um, but Boaz says, the Lord should repay you. I hope he rewards you for this. Like it, this is a prayer of Boaz. And listen to what he says, he says, "'The Lord repay you for what you have done, "'and a full reward be given you by the Lord, "'the God of Israel, under whose wings "'you have come to take refuge.'" Okay, so Boaz goes, you've come to take refuge in God, in Yahweh. Ruth's like, did I? I mean, look at what what her statement is. "'Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord.'" For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. She doesn't even acknowledge God. She, she acknowledges Boaz. You guys see this? Right? Like, so Boaz is like, no, you, you're, you're taking protection and provision under the wings of Yahweh, of God. And it's through Boaz. Boaz understands this. Boaz is the hands and feet, right? He's the one that's doing this. But it's really through God, it's God's wings, it's God's protection. And so Boaz has good theology, Boaz understands what he's doing. He's like, this is my job, this is what I'm called to do, this is the character, this is why he's a worthy man. And Ruth doesn't see it, I mean, Ruth sees him, Ruth sees the hands, Ruth sees the care, but she doesn't see God yet. This is why I don't think Ruth made some huge conversion piece. I think think she's just kind of like, thank you for what you're doing. And we have a lot of relationships like that, right? You have a lot of relationships with people that maybe don't know Christ, right? A lot of people that don't know God. And and you're gonna hopefully love and care for them and show them mercy and, and understanding and, and show grace and hopefully reflect the character of God. And they're gonna go, man, you're such a great person. And you're gonna go, well, you're missing it, but okay it's not me right and then we now we start backtracking we try to figure out how to how to navigate that it's not me it's 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 god do you have time to talk theology for a little bit you know like right and you're like it makes me uncomfortable and and so you're like no the point is not this relationship i mean this relationship is just a means to this relationship like god's just using this so that you can see him like that's it that's the whole point point. and so we need to understand that and recognize that as we're going out and living and and this is what boaz recognized very clearly here and then here's here's more unveiling of the providence of god and even more so i mean boaz takes this i mean boaz really invests in this relationship verse 14 says and at mealtime, boaz said to her come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine, so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over, right? She was falling after the reapers gleaning, now she's sitting beside them at dinner. The other gleaners weren't sitting beside the reapers at dinner. The other gleaners weren't sitting there eating roasted grain with the landowner. That wasn't happening, okay? <laughs> right? Like every, and for some reason, here's Ruth going like, uh, you want me to go to dinner? Okay, I'm at dinner. And then he gives her a leftover container. <laughs> she was satisfied, and she had more. And we'll see, like, you know, this week you'll see that she, she takes it back to Naomi. She's like, I have leftovers. <laughs> like, Boaz is, is reflecting God in this beautiful, beautiful example that, like, this is adoption. Right? This is like our adoption. This is, this is God going like, no, you're mine. You're going to eat dinner with me. The banquet's, the, the table's set. You come with me. Like, that's it. Like, there's, there's no foreigner, Jew. It, it didn't matter at this point. It was like, you're, you're part of me. Verse 15. So she finishes dinner and says, when she rose to glean, so now she's like, all right, going back to work now, right? Uh, sorry. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. Okay, I, I get it. Like, you're like, I would have never picked up on these things. And it's like, you know, as you're, as you're reading, like, commentary, she's are like, I never saw that. That's amazing. So underline that. Even among the sheaves. And do not reproach her. And also... Out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So now what you have is like like she's going. So that among the sheaves is like there's like these piles that as they're as they're harvesting right, they're building up these piles, and they were allowed to follow after right, but they couldn't like stick around and like grab stuff. Like there was a limit to how much they could glean right, and so for her now she's allowed to be among like she can just kind of have she has free reign. She's free reign. He's like, this is my field, whatever you want. Oh, by the way, hey, just throw some extra full things out. (laughs) Which is like, none of that has to be said, right? Like you could have stopped five verses earlier and been like, wow, God's good. God provided. You could have stopped two verses earlier and you've been like, man, God's really good. And you get to this and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then he's like, and don't rebuke her. Like don't ever say anything bad to her. She is allowed to do whatever she wants on my field. That's basically how how Boaz leaves it. What does that tell us? What does that, I mean, let's just look at that from from God's perspective, right? Like, God is communicating to us going, like, this is how he sees you and me. He's like, here's my field. Like, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I see you. I see your tragedy. I know what's going on, but it's more than that. There's a lot of Boazes in here, right? We've all we all are in some sense, right? As as people who who know Christ, who are called to reflect Christ to this world, who are called to imitate Christ, who are called to be ambassadors. Like this isn't about you just being some like pinnacle standing on a on a on a. trying to say podium like standing on a podium or something you're like look at me I'm a really good person that's not the point the point is that you have opportunities in relationships to reflect God that's the point that's why we, we hear the the fruit of the Spirit right love joy peace patience kindness goodness like that's to somebody <laughs> each one of those is to love to somebody Right? Like, like those, are, those are God saying, like, you should have this fruit of the Spirit. Why? Not so that you can just feel better about yourself and that you can live a better life, but so that others can see the hand and workmanship of God in your life. And so when we don't invest in these relationships, if Boaz has said, well, glean, glean whatever you want. I don't need to get myself dirty. I don't, I don't need to get involved in this relationship. Thanks for being nice to Naomi. Appreciate it. You can glean. That's all he had to say. He wasn't obliged to do anything other than that. But it, here's, what, here's what I don't think we can do. We can't spiritualize Boaz's decisions. I don't think Boaz was sitting there thinking, I need to reflect God in this. He, he's just, he's a good man. He's, he's following God and he's, he sees an opportunity for him to, to care for somebody. That's it, in whatever way he can. And so 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 do all of us, right? We have plenty of ways. You, you, you're not a landowner, probably. You're not doing a harvest, it's fine. But we all have ways that we can be caring for people. And it's not because we need to care for people. I mean, Jesus even says, right? The poor will always be with you. We're not trying to eradicate something. This isn't some social agenda for us to, to make things go away. No, it's for us to reflect God to the world. It's for Him to be glorified. It's for for people to see mercy and love and grace through our interactions with them and not give us credit for it, but to see who who we're intending to reflect, which is Christ. That's, That's what it's about. That's the whole point. And so God uses our relationships, our relationships, to reveal Himself to the world. That's it. Do we think like that? Or do we think that our relationships are just kind of byproducts of living in society? I don't think we weigh them that way. I don't have this verse in here, but um, listen to Ephesians 5, 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. because of who Jesus is. I mean, you you think, you know, like we try to reflect God. Jesus is God, right? And he came and revealed himself to us so that we could look and we could read and we can go, that's God. That's the characteristics of God. That's who he is. And we get to participate in this in some very marred, messed up way because we're sinful and our relationships are going to be tainted with sin. All right? And we're going to say things, we're going to do things, and we're going to be like, that was wrong. And you know what we do? We get to redeem those. Because we get to go to them and go, I'm sinful. I'm sorry, that was wrong. Please forgive me. And you you get to go to them and ask for forgiveness and you get to model grace. If you're on the other side of that, you get to model grace and you get to forgive, right? And we get to act and do all the things, right? That that God does for us through Christ and forgiveness and showing grace, undeserved merit. These are our opportunities. So let's make the most of it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you um, for this time. We thank you for your word we thank you that as we read through the story of Ruth that we just we see your hand in and we see your providential hand